All right, everybody, before we dive into today's episode, we are brought to you by two headline sponsors, the first one being Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contain only one gram of sugar. These have become a staple in our house as we look to have a healthy diet and want products that if we do feel like having that sweet or you know having a cheat meal or just a cheat snack, um, something that's not going to completely ruin our diet. So Elite Sweets have become that. Uh, it's a donut. It tastes delicious. It tastes just like those shitty donuts that you're used to growing up, except these ones are, are high in protein, gluten-free. They're keto-friendly for all you keto dieters out there. And most importantly, in my mind, uh, they only contain one gram of sugar. So get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. If you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll get 30% off your order. And that code works on both Amazon and EliteDonut.com. Again, that code is ShaneWhite30, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your order. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mostly just from sweating while you sleep, which is something... I did not know before I started working with the guys over at Routine. They've come up with a product that they call Morning Routine. It's a single-serve packet that I take every morning, and it contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. Most people wake up, they grab that cup of coffee first thing in the morning. What most people don't realize is if you wake up dehydrated, which is easy to do when you, uh, when you wake up from a, a long night's sleep, uh, your body sweats and expels a lot of vapors while you're sleeping. Instead of grabbing that cup of coffee, try grabbing a morning routine packet. Each of these, as I mentioned, um, is made up of all these great ingredients that helps rehydrate you in the morning, get your metabolism going once again, uh, I just take one of these little, there's little single serve packets, tear one open, throw it into, you know, just a shaker bottle or 20 ounces of water, shake it up and drink it. First thing in the morning, you feel a difference. You really do feel hydrated again. You can tell the difference when you use the product and then go off of it again, the difference you feel first thing in the morning. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. You can go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30. Again, Shane White 30, same coupon code as the last brand, Elite Suites. If you use code Shane White 30 at checkout on yourroutine.com, you can get 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. I have a great guest coming up next, and I will talk to you in just a second. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Shane White Show. Today's episode, we are breaking down uh, basically just a rundown of the Chicago Marathon. So today's Monday, October 10th. Yesterday was the big race day. For all of you who have been listening to kind of the build-up podcasts um, over the last few weeks and months that I've been posting about preparing for this marathon – I think this will be a really interesting culmination. I just wanted to 
to get on the microphone and, and kind of walk through the good, the bad, and my takeaways from my second major marathon I've ever ran, as well as uh, thanking everyone who has donated. So for all of you out there listening to this who donated to the Ronald McDonald House Charities, which is the group I ran with, thank you from the bottom of my heart. My my actual fundraising page raised over $2,000, so unbelievable turnout from friends, families, colleagues, listeners of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, and overall, I know the organization raised almost $2 million uh, during the Chicago Marathon prep. So again, just incredible, incredible support, and thank you all for that. I can't thank you guys enough for supporting for my efforts um, for running the Chicago Marathon. All right, everybody. So I guess first and foremost, I, I try to write down a bunch of notes before this of just, you know, my thoughts as I came out of the marathon. First and foremost, if you guys have, again, if you go back and listen to some of the marathon prep, a lot of the things I talked about were trying to do things differently this marathon than I did for the New York marathon in 2017. And overall, if I take a step back, before I tell you guys about my times or any of the results, it's been a transformational three months for me as far as running goes and preparing for a big test like a race. Um, just what I've been able to learn. And, and I, I do want to call out a few of the big sources of knowledge that I use during this that I think if any of you guys want to go out and run a marathon would be phenomenal sources for all of you. So I would say the first one is my running coach. So a big shout out to Tom Black, hoping to get him on the podcast this week, actually. So that'll probably come out in a couple weeks, but just want to get him on, introduce him to everyone who listens to this podcast. And potentially if you're someone who wants to train for a big race, whether it's you know this fall or most likely next year at some point. He would be a great, great, great person to bring on board. I will tell you above all else, having someone like him who kept me accountable, who kept me running through what needed to be done and when was was groundbreaking and something that without him, I'm not sure I would have even put myself in a position for success yesterday. So first and foremost, that. The next one I'm going to plug is one that I don't think I've actually talked about on the podcast, but was one that I just grabbed a ton of good information from. So there's a company called BPN or Bear Performance Nutrition. Their CEO is named Nick Bear. And if you look up, um, I think I think it's the, the Bear Performance Podcast. Yeah. You'll see Nick Bear. You'll hear him. He has all different types of guests. He does a lot of solo episodes. And he recently did a whole YouTube series on running a sub 250 marathon, which is an incredible pace, which is a phenomenal time, especially for someone his size. He's a big, strong, buff guy, not what your typical runner looks like. And he did, I think it was like a 15-part series on YouTube all about breaking a 250 marathon. To be honest, for anyone who wants to even get into running, whether that's a 5K, a half marathon, or a full marathon, I would recommend that series to literally everyone. I was blown away with the amount of detail, with just the amount of information that they were able to pack in 
to to that whole series, I will probably rewatch that for my next race for sure. There was so much good tidbits for for that series alone. I took away a lot of my nutrition, so a lot of the nutrition and pre race supplements that I think truly helped hydrate me and get me to the place I finished was because of that podcast. I also really liked um, a lot of the tips and tricks around like he has some products as far as like I didn't use the running watch use I use a Koros what running watch which I I love Um, but he uses some different like um, anti-chafing creams he shared just a lot of little things little tidbits that I took out that were game changers for me this time like today's the day after I'm super super sore my legs keep cramping um, but I didn't chafe at all um wasn't nearly in the pain that I was in when I ran New York. And we'll get all into that here in a second. But anyway, those are two sources of knowledge before I even get into my run that I thought would be really interesting for all of you if you're interested in any sort of of race. I think um, obviously going down the coaching route is a little bit more of an investment, but well, well worth it. And then on the flip side, the the YouTube series I mentioned is free. So I'll link that to the show notes, um, and, and you guys can check that out. All right, so got into the. Let's get into the race. So I felt like leading up to the race, I did everything the way I wanted to to do it. And when I say that, I mean the prep. I didn't. Number one, I didn't get injured, which was huge for me. I got really hurt right before New York and had to take the last three or so weeks off before the marathon. In reality, I probably shouldn't have ran that marathon. I was not healthy enough to produce any sort of meaningful result. And this time I just came in feeling unbelievably fresh. For all of you who follow me on Instagram and you know the lunges that I I have been doing for a long time, I genuinely think that was a huge driver to just strength through the marathon. I, I feel like most running programs that I've seen, the biggest issue I have with all of them is they lack any sort of strength training. They just get way too into the weeds on running. And I'm a big believer now going from one of those old school running plans to this time having the foundational base of weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, and lunging, that that translated into a successful run that didn't break me down um, and I was able to perform at a high level. So first and foremost, I think that that was a huge, huge takeaway for me was, you know, keeping strength training at the forefront and layering on running is I think how I'm going to keep continue moving forward. I genuinely re-fell in love. I wouldn't even say re. It was probably for the first time fell in love with running during this prep for the Chicago Marathon. It just became such a fun activity that I genuinely look forward to like my hardest workouts the night before I would legitimately get excited and it's been a long time since I can say that about any like I I enjoy working out I enjoy training but the running there's something about just getting up early in the morning and going for a run by yourself putting music or a podcast in and you just have a simple single goal that you're going after and just just hitting that there is something very very addicting about that so First and foremost, that'll be a huge part going forward for me. So let's get into the actual race. The actual race, the, the first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to 
Um, the folks who put on the Chicago Marathon, it was a wild, awesome event. And you and I got to give a shout out for anyone listening to the podcast who was just there. If anyone was there spectating, the turnout for the Chicago Marathon, I will say, was incredible. And I'm sure the weather helped because the weather was perfect. Um, but it was truly wild seeing the amount of people come out and the energy that the people of Chicago brought. Running New York was similar, but the weather was super shitty. So I think on any of those cities' best day, they probably would have been similar, but I'll say Chicago was incredible. I didn't put any music in for the first 14 miles. So the first over half marathon, I just ran without headphones because the energy was so crazy loud and was it pushed me for sure. So that first and foremost... I got to give a shout out was really cool. I'll say at the beginning, and if any of you guys have run a race, I think a lot of people will resonate with this, but the beginning is kind of like if you guys have ever watched the Kentucky Derby or any horse racing type thing, it's a little bit of a stressor at the beginning of these big marathons because you have to get into this corral, which is a kind of a tight space with a lot of people. And then it's kind of like a sit and wait moment. So for example, I was in my corral at, probably 7.35 or 7.40. 7.35 probably. It closed at 7.45, so I got in about 10 minutes before. You're just standing in one spot then all the way until, for me, it was supposed to be till 8 o'clock. It ended up, we didn't take off till 8.12, which was a lot later. So you think about that. That was almost 50 minutes, what, 45, 50 minutes of sitting, just standing in this corral. And it's freezing. You're not moving. So a lot of people like myself, I had a hoodie on. And as you're basically what happens is you're in this huge group of people and slowly but surely your group starts moving up towards the finish line. So everyone starts walking and then everyone just starts ripping off their sweatshirts and their snow hats or whatever they got on gloves and just tosses them on the ground. So it becomes this this war zone of clothing everywhere of people taking it off ready to run. So as soon as you get to the start line, obviously there's a ton of adrenaline. It's super exciting when you get going, you know, you click your watch and go and cross the start line. The key for me for this one, which I totally screwed up on the last one, was not coming out the gates too hot. So I came out, I think my first mile, I'm actually going to pull it up. My first mile was right on par with where I wanted to be, um, which was really important way to start the race. Uh, yeah, I, my, my goal was to try to do 9.15 mile, nine minute, 15 mile paces for the first 14 miles. That was just stay consistent. I came out at 9.29. Now, again, my times here on my first few miles are going to be potentially a little wonky, and it's something I'm actually talking to the race race directors with right now because my time, which we'll get into, is a little bit different on my watch, quite a bit different, actually, than what my official clocked time was. So I came out at 9.29. And again, it's so crowded at the beginning that I knew if I was a little bit slower than what I wanted to be at at the gate, I wasn't going to be too worried. Mile two, I clocked in at nine. So then through the first two miles, I was fired up. So I'm like, I basically hit 9.14 and 9.15 average at this point. Mile three, I remember the it got a little bit wider as far as like there was a little bit more space in between everybody. And I noticed the people that I had been running with, all of us were starting to pick up our pace a little bit, which is a very typical mistake that people make in marathon running. And our whole group fell into this. So in mile three, and again, I think a little bit of this was from 
the issues with the GPS on the watch running through the buildings. But I clocked in a mile three at 7.56, so way faster. And I remember my watch going off and saying 7.56 at mile three. And I literally thought to myself, you got to slow the fuck down. Like, slow down, ease into where you are. So the next mile, I ended up hitting 8.58, so still a little fast. But I was happy that I slowed down almost a minute per mile. Then got into 9.23. So at this point, I'm through five miles. I'm like, I'm way ahead of my pace. I'm I'm not – and I felt great. No issues whatsoever. Um, I took a gel at mile four, so that was helping me. And then this is this was the first issue I ran into, which every marathon is – any race, I'm sure, for anybody running is going to have things you learn from it. For me, this is where I really ran into my first issue. So I was trying to hydrate like a madman the day before, the night of, and then the morning of the race. One of the downsides to that is that I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I went twice. I pissed twice before the race started. Thought I was going to be totally fine. Thought I basically cleared everything out that I would need to clear. As we're walking up to the starting line, I was like, oh, my God, I got to pee. This is not good. And I, it was locked in. I couldn't go to the bathroom. So at mile six, I remember there was there was um, water and Gatorade stations every two miles. And at every water Gatorade station, there was also bathroom private bathrooms for runners. At mile four, I, I thought I was not going to make it. I'm like, I got to pee. I was like, keep going. Keep going. As soon as I got to mile six, I was like, there is literally no way I can go two more miles without going to the bathroom. So this part sucked. I literally had to pull off, go to the bathroom. I thought I, it felt like forever. Of course, if you like pull off the course, you're like, this is just, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Again, not tired. Legs weren't in any bad shape at all. Um, Just felt like I had, there's no way I was going to be able to continue going. Again, it feels like forever. In reality, I probably waited for a bathroom for 10 seconds. Bathroom out. By the time I started running again on the course, I'm, you know, estimating here. I bet I lost a minute 30 to two minutes total, which as you'll get to the end here, you'll you'll hear my frustration. So that was a bummer. In that, that, in that, that mile then, I clocked in a 1019. So that's a lot. That's over a minute slower than what I wanted to be. But again, with my faster times right before that, I was like, okay, I maybe now I'm a little bit over where I want to be pace-wise, but all in all, I think I'm in a great spot. Going, going, going. My plan originally was to take a gel every four miles. So now I'm getting into mile seven, mile eight. Both of those clocked in right around 9.15, just a little bit over. So taking my second gel at mile eight, um, you know, at this point, I felt great. I'm like, I'm maybe a little bit above where I need to be, but I have plenty of time to make it up. My legs are feeling great. Um, as we get into mile 10, 11, 12, hitting all my paces. I'm hit basically hitting 9.15 or a little less, so I'm feeling fantastic. Um, also, my legs felt amazing at this point. The crowds were crazy, and I was getting to the point where I was starting to pass a lot of people. So at this point, some of the struggles I've noticed is you get into a, a range where you're it's packed with a lot of people still this early in the race. And if you're running faster than the average person, you're like <clears throat> you're trying to like dip and dodge and get between people. It just slows you down, right? Or it's just like unnecessary energy if you just had no one in your way. So that was something I was dealing with around the halfway point. At the halfway point, mile 13, I clocked to 935. I remember 
seeing 935 and being like, shit, 20 seconds slower than I want to be on this mile. And I felt like I was moving pretty quick. So sometimes when you get down in the buildings in downtown Chicago, that's kind of a very common thing people say is the GPS gets kind of thrown off. I think that might have been the case because I I don't I went 913 on mile 11, 915 mile 12, up to 935, and then back down to 913, and I felt like I was running the exact same pace. So who knows on that one? Um, at this point, I'm feeling great, but honestly, and shout out if any of them listen to this, my wife and then my brother-in-law and brother and sister-in-law, Mike and Maureen, they all met me, handed me my Theragun, which was amazing because my legs were starting to kind of feel it at this point a little bit slammed the Theragun in my thighs. Um, they handed me a new water bottle with that had actually had two additional gels in it that I forgot I packed, and I just kept running. And honestly, it's funny. I've heard people say this, and I didn't know what it was like until yesterday. When you get to a place where physically and mentally you're feeling good, but you're starting to get a little tired, but then you see people you know and love, and they are there rooting you on, that was the biggest source of energy. That was better than any energy gel, um, shot of energy of any sort seeing people you know uh, that are rooting you on was huge so i i will give them all the credit in the world they were what really sprung me and you'll see that here in a second so then from mile 15 through 20 my goal is to go from 9 15 down to nine minutes so this is called a negative split where you start off slower and as the race goes on you progressively get faster mile 14 i did nine sorry first mile, so mile 15 of that second second section, I did a 9.09. So again, a little bit slower. Mile 16, I got nine on the dot. So that's fantastic. Mile 17, 9.06. So I'm three miles into this little stint, and I've had two miles slightly over. Mile 18, 9.02. So again, a little bit over. 19, 9.13, a little bit over. At this point, I can see mile 20, right? Like mile 20 is not too far away. And that's really where the marathon starts. Mile 20 is what you do all your training and preparation for because that's when shit starts to get really hard. So as I hit mile nine, finished mile 19, and now I did 913. So to be honest, now, and I'm, I'm kind of walking through all this live with you guys. I've been reviewing this like crazy, which you'll find out why in a second. But now that I'm saying this out loud, which is why I knew this podcast would be helpful, mile 15 through mile 19. I just was a little bit slower than what I needed to be. Not by much. I mean, literally by a total of 30 seconds slower than what I needed to be. But that could be the difference. Um, So then what happens is you get to mile 20. That's when the marathon starts. And for me, that's where the meat of my pacing comes in. So then from mile 20 to mile 26.2, my goal was 850. And I was feeling tired at this point. I was taking all my gels. I actually would have ran out of gels a little bit early, but luckily with um, the water bottle that that my family handed me, I actually had two more gels. So instead of going, I was planning on going 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, and 24 with gels. Once I got the two additional gels, I went 4, and I think did, um, and I sped it up, and I did it at 17, and then I did every two. So then I did it at 19, at 21, at 20. No, I did it every three. It's so hard to remember as you're like doing this. I think I did 16. Yeah, I did. So I did uh, 14. And then instead of at 18, I sped one up and did it at 16. Then 19, 22, 25. Yep, that's what I did. So those two additional gels ended up being enormous for me. Um, I did, let's see. 
Mile 20, I did 9.17. So at this point, it was getting really hot as well. And this part of the marathon for Chicago is a little boring. It's the crowds really thin out. You're in a, a not as nice part of town. And obviously, you're getting to the, the heat of the race. So mile 20 was a little slow as well. Then mile 21, sped it up, 8.58, still a little bit slow. Mile 22, 9.21. Mile, and this is where then I started getting pissed. I'm like, I know... I am super, super close to a four-hour marathon pace. And at mile 22, I'm like, you are so close. Just put the burner on. The challenge is, when I, especially when I ran New York, I, I dealt with some of the worst cramps I've ever dealt with in my life. And it's really from under-training and under-fueling during the race. This race, I felt like I danced the finest line of hydrating enough. Obviously, I think I overhydrated a little bit because I had to use the bathroom. So that's a huge, you know thumbs down on the flip side through this entire race. I felt like I could push a pace. I could feel it in my legs. They were starting to really hurt. And I was like, I don't want it to go too far and start cramping because then you're kind of fucked. So I was constantly mentally battling, go a little faster because you've been going a little bit slower than you want to go. But if you start feeling it in your legs, either take a gel or slow down a little bit. So I was constantly kind of doing this push and pull, push and pull of, of slowing down just a little bit if I felt like my legs were tightening up. And then I, I wanted to make sure my gels made it all the way to the end. So I also, if that, so what would happen is, yeah, basically if I got into a place where my legs were starting to feel tight and I thought I might start to get a cramp, if I still had like a mile till my next gel, I'm like, I would either try to hurry and get to like a Gatorade station. So sometimes those would come up at great times and just having a little bit of Gatorade, I think gave enough, honestly, just like sugar or whatever else is in that, those drinks. Um, to kind of push you through. And then I otherwise I would kind of dial it back. So mile 22, I did 921. And then again, this is where the meat comes in. At mile 23, I cranked an 841 out, which was exciting. But then it, this was by far the hardest part of the marathon. You get to this stretch where you start heading south. And it's a it's like a three or four lane road that you're running on. And then there's a median. And then on the other side, there's another three or four lane road. And that is the final two-mile stretch. So basically, you're heading into the final four miles. People who are ahead of you two miles, you can see to your left. So it was kind of a mind fuck, honestly, because you're, you're on this pace. You're like, I feel like I'm almost to the finish. And then you see all these people struggling even more because they're, they're two miles ahead of you. So for some reason, I went from 841 and then went 855, 858 on mile 24, and 25 at this point I knew it was going to come down to how hard can I push it at the end and so mile 26 I pushed it all the way to 831 I mean I felt it'd be funny to see the video if that's on video anywhere I remember we were coming down um, I don't know what street it was it's the last straight straight shot before you get into Grant Park it was the most crowded section of this entire race it was probably 10 people deep Plus, people were standing up on things on the building. So people were, like, hanging out of windows yelling. It was crazy how many people were there. And everyone was running down the middle. And I went to the left, the very left side. And I was literally arms in the air sprinting. And it, what felt like a sprint. I mean, I, I don't think I could have physically run any faster at that point. And I was flying by people. So in mile 26, I cranked an 831. And so now I'm heading into literally like, it's like basically one lap of a, of a track left. I was hauling. I was telling people to get out of my way. 
I was going as fast as humanly possible. Basically had to bump a guy out of my way who was going super slow and try to cut the final corner tight. In the very, very, very final final section, I clocked a 735, which was by far my fastest little stretch. So all in all, I was super close. Um, and I, I was pumped that I was able to pull off a negative split. So I basically got faster and faster as the race went on, number one. And number two, I was just pumped that I was able to basically sprint through the end. If I, if I think back to New York, it was the exact opposite. I was basically crawling in tears at the end of that race. So a huge change. Um, my wa- This is where the frustrating parts, and this is kind of the finale of this podcast. So my watch clocked me in at 359.48 when I crossed 26.2 miles. So literally broke four hours by 12 seconds. While I was running, though, I started to realize in the second half that my watch, my watch, my watch basically vibrates every mile. So when I would get to mile like 15, for example, it would vibrate. I'd look down. I'd see my mile time. I'm like, awesome. I'd look up, and probably a tenth to a fifteenth of a mile ahead was the marker that said mile 15. So I started to be like, wait a minute. Why does my watch think I'm further along than I am? Either way, that did come to fruition when it it my watch vibrated 26.2 and I still had like 0.6 miles left. So a little over half a mile to go. So again, my watch clocked me in at that time. I obviously still had some distance to go on the course. Um, my official time ended up being four mi- four hours and two minutes, which is it's just it's frustrating, especially when you're 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 pacing to your watch the whole time. And your watch is connected to the GPS, and it was accurate for almost the whole race. I I think I broke four. I I genuinely do, but the record will always show that I I did a four oh two, you know. And I think back to all the different things that could have changed. Could I have ran you know ten fifteen seconds faster on a few of those miles and not gone to the bathroom? Would that have been the difference? I'll probably always wonder, and I, and it's frustrating. Um, I will say, though, the last six miles, I genuinely don't think I could have gone faster than I did. I, I think I left it all out on the course. Like, looking back and seeing seeing an 8.55 and 8.58 in mile 24 and 25, could I have shaved off a few seconds? Maybe. But would that have caused me to cramp up? I think it probably would have. And then I would have ran a way worse time because I would have had to stop and walk. So I think I did all of that part right. And at the end of the day, if 402 is what I genuinely did, then, you know, my fitness just wasn't quite there on that day. And it's still a big PR for me. So any of you guys who've listened to these episodes know when I ran New York in 2017, my goal for that one was also four hours. Definitely did nothing in my training that would have suggested I could run a four-hour marathon, but uh, I ended up running it in 5:35, so an absolute, an absolute horrible showing compared to what I wanted to do. That one was much more about me just finishing, though. I was just pumped that I finished. My time was not good. This one was all about hitting the time goal that I had. So, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't frustrated. Was it a huge jump in in time? For sure. I mean, I PR'd by over an hour and 33 minutes, so it was a huge, huge PR for me. And uh, if anything, this made me hungrier. I fell in love with the process of getting faster and with running. 
it's the wildest thing because, you know, doing uh, CrossFit for the last, you know, call it handful of years as well, that's one of those sports where you can constantly see improvement, whether it's in weights and time. And this is all about time. And I've always thought it was just about running as fast as you can. But this marathon prep taught me so much more than that. There's long, easy runs. There's short tempo runs. Um, the, the difference between running long distances at slower paces and then speed runs that are shorter at faster paces. Um, if anything, this showed me, I did this on a very quick prep. Like I, I mentioned in previous episodes, I really didn't start running until the middle of July. Before the middle of July, I had not run more than two miles at one time. So to go from that to almost breaking a four-hour marathon in three months, I'm, I'm stoked about that. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment for me this year. And I, if anything, that's giving me energy to want to go back and run it again next year because I think if I ran consistently over the next year, kept the lunges going, keep doing functional fitness like I, like I have been doing, there's no reason I can't break four hours and, and maybe even lower. I, I think, honestly, breaking 350, 345, if it was insanity, maybe a 330. Like I think that's totally in the realm of possibility with a lot of consistency and building up a running capacity over the next year. So am I pumped? Yeah, am I pissed? You know it. Um, I did I did submit to uh, the Chicago Marathon officials just basically a, a request to review my times again because there are a few times in the in the official timing that that looked a lot slower than what what I, I clocked myself at. So we'll see. We'll see what they come back with. I, I'm gonna laugh if they come back and they're like, yeah, you're right. There were a few things off here. You actually got a four minute you know 10 second marathon. That might be even worse if I missed it by less. Um, but still didn't break four hours, so who knows. But anyway, I, I appreciate all you guys listening to these podcasts. I hope you guys enjoyed them. Um, we're going to have Tom on the podcast, my running coach. Um, I got to bump into Ken Rideout, who was a guest on the podcast a while ago. But since he's been on the podcast, he's really blown up. And he, he, he actually finished second in the Chicago Marathon yesterday in his age group. I'm going to try to get him back on the podcast again. And also have some other people in the running community that are going to be coming on. So this is kind of a new thing for me, uh, just getting deeper and deeper into running. I've really enjoyed it, and I, and I think this is going to be, be a consistent thing for me. So I hope all of you guys enjoyed this. If anything, I really hope that this was a little bit of inspiration for you to go run your race. I, if there's something you have been thinking about doing, I hope this is the push to go do it. I know for me, this one more than ever was an opportunity to put something on the calendar and build towards it. And there is something so addicting about that. And for all of you listening, who've never, never done that before, sign up for something. doesn't have to be a marathon. doesn't even have to be anything about running. could be anything at all, some sort of competition to test yourself. Um, it's an addicting feeling and it, it really, really shows you how to just build towards something and try to achieve a goal. I feel like I achieved my goal genuinely on paper. I missed it by just a just a minute or two. So either way, go do it. I'm telling you consistency over intensity sometimes is more important. I'm a big fan of just doing something every day. It's pretty obvious by now. If you guys have seen the lunges, um, consistency, consistency, consistency. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this one and we'll be back with another episode soon.
See ya.